It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Time to rock and roll here on a Saturday night. Welcome, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Mateo with you here in Las Vegas. And I'm going to hope he's here with me, Tommy Barton. Back east, just fresh off an airplane. Tommy, do I have you? Yeah, you guys got me. Am I coming in loud and clear? Got you, got you. So we're obviously going to talk some sports tonight this weekend um, before we take next weekend off because it's an important date in American history, Tom. Your birth, it's very important to all of us. <laughs> yeah, my birthday is next weekend. So I did a little celebrating this weekend for it. But, yes, my birthday is next weekend. Nice of you to remember, Tim. Of course. It's actually easy, not, not just because we're best friends, right? But it's very easy to remember that your birthday always happens around the All-Star break for Major League Baseball, and we're going to get into a lot of that tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's funny because we talk about this time of year and, uh, you know, the All-Star game, it always has subplots to kind of skew us and subplots to get us talking. And I think that 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 is the underrated part about the All-Star game. The All-Star game itself has lost a lot of its luster over the years. The All-Star game itself can be somewhat, I don't know, tedious, almost a joke. But let's be honest. It's the best All-Star game of any of the sports, number one. Number two, it gives us a ton to talk about. And the subplots of who's going to make it, who won't make it, who should start, who's being left off, that's actually bigger than the game itself. The game itself doesn't matter. But that all is actually bigger, and it kind of jumpstarts the second half of the year. So I do like to kind of get into that a little bit. I agree. It's the the best of any sports all-star games and that's not it's not even close um yeah i don't think so right i mean honestly even just like i was saying the selection process itself is that uh that lightning rod you know the selection process oh who's gonna make it who's not who should be starting who shouldn't be starting you don't get that in other sports i I mean the nfl is a complete joke the nba is uh, I mean, almost as watchable as the NBA uh, it normally is. <laughs> uh, hockey, I like the skills competition in hockey, uh, but overall it doesn't really matter. I mean, can you tell me if Mitch Marner started this year? I, I mean, did it matter? But guess what? For baseball guys, for whatever reason, it actually matters. Right, and we'll get into that because there are a couple debatable, you know, it could go either way, but I think, one of those uh, debatable selections as who the starter is going to be involves a guy I love and a team I like, but I thought maybe a guy should have been over him at that position. I know you know what I'm talking about. We'll get into that. But before we do any of that, Tom, you know, we were texting earlier and uh, sporadically throughout the week, and you were sending me pictures of where you were and making me jealous. And, you know, good old time to celebrate your birthday. But you said literally on the plane ride you were catching up for the week because you were – not 100% zoned out, Tom, but you were kind of zoned out, right? Yeah, look, you go to certain places on Earth. I'm somebody that works all the time. 
And there are certain places on earth that get me sucked in. And it gets me sucked into the lifestyle there. And you just kind of get into that mentality. And there's there's a thing, Tim, called Key West Time. And, and there are songs that sing about it and say, we've been on Key West Time since basically the pirates have been here. And you do get on that Key West Time where everything's moving slow. You're not really overly paying attention. I'm sitting in bars most of the time in Key West. I'm either on bars or I'm out, out on the water, you know. And I'm looking up, and I'll catch, I'll catch the games, I'll catch the the headlines, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being involved because you don't even know what time it is. You 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 know, there's only one place to be in Key West, and that is the sunset. So the whole day revolves around the sunset. But well, on the East Coast, the sunset's Key West about eight fifteen, eight thirty. Half the games are already over. By the time you get into the bar, you've missed the first five, six, even seven innings. Sometimes you're barely catching the late games. It, it's Hard to sort of follow. So for the last four days, I've been in and out the, the following. But last night, uh, we went back to the hotel room early because we were leaving on an early flight. I did a lot of catching up then. I had a flight which connected in Miami. So I had about three, four hours you know, with the connection to sit back, just kind of catch up on what did I miss over the course of the week. And, oh, by the way, I know I have a local guy. Yeah, I still do. Um, but overly... You can't bet in Florida either. So it was, I didn't take off this week, Tim, but I took light this week. <laughs> I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Florida coming up for that at some point soon? Yeah, they've come up for it a couple of times. The problem is the Seminole Nation just is so powerful down there. And basically they're getting into a position sort of like New York had, where, you know, New Cuomo had a hush-hush deal with all of the tribes here. So when it came up, the tribes were like, oh, no, 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 you're only going to put it in here. Uh, the minute Cuomo left office, that under the table hush-hush went away. New York got all of a sudden, you know, all these kind of deals. Well, it's bigger in Florida. I mean, Florida, the Seminole Nation is as powerful in Florida as Disney in, in a lot of respects, you know. So what's going to have to happen is that the Florida, you know, council is going to have to kind of discuss with the tribes how do they appease the tribes how do they appease the seminal nation to give them the piece of the share that they need with sports betting so it gets a little confusing in florida remember if you do remember florida had sports betting legally for about 48 hours <laughs> they really did they opened it up they said yeah we're doing it anyway you're allowed to bet legally bet i know people that bet and won money in that 48 hour time span and then the state shut it down and that was about a year ago So, yeah, I do find it interesting, Tim. You know, I, I wanted to test this theory. So, I don't know how, how much you guys know about Key West, but Key West is, you know, they say it's 90 miles to Cuba, and that's that's about what it is. It's about 90 miles away from Cuba. It, it is closer to Cuba than it is to a Walmart, right? So, we went out on the boat. We're on one of these, you know, these big fishing, uh, you know, excursion kind of ships. And we're getting out there. We're getting out there. I mean, we are we are getting out to a point where you can't see Key West anymore. You know, we're down south. And I kind of asked the captain, I said, you know, have you ever done the, the run to Cuba? He said, yeah, we, we do it kind of often. Yeah. I said, are we closer to Cuba right now than we are to Key West? He said, I, I think we are. Yeah, we're probably closer. So I checked my app, <laughs> you know, because I'm on one of these boats where, uh, you know, they got that nicer setup than my living room. I checked my app and it says, no, location not verified. And I'm going... 
well, I know I can't bet in Florida, but can I bet in Cuba? Wait, wait, aren't I in international waters? You know, my Caesars app just didn't accept international waters, Tim. Ah. <laughs> what that would have been great if it would have though. But yeah, was, I wanna I wanna try to uh, any legal experts out there. Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. Am I allowed to write off my excursion, right? My fishing excursion, uh, which cost hundreds of dollars. Can I write that off because I was actually doing research about how what apps would work in international waters? Can I do that, Tim? Since I'm talking about it today, and I'll talk about it tomorrow on, on my show, I feel like this is research. I feel like that's a write-off. I, th- I think you should test that theory. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to do some baseball talk, a lot of baseball talk. But let's start in the NFL, Tom, because, you know, look, the countdown is coming. It's ticking. We're scratching, uh, Xing out boxes on the calendar. Tom Barton Sports is coming back to Las Vegas for week one of the National Football League. And uh, I don't know the exact amount of days, Tom, you might, but it's it's under 60. I know that. Yeah, we're, we're right about it's It's pretty much right about uh, uh, 60. I'll tell you right now, watch this, because you know why, Tim, we have the miracle of uh, just an awesome website. And there's, I have nothing to do with this website, but you type into Google, you go, how many days until kickoff, right? And it gives you a complete countdown to September 8th. So we have 59 days, 22 hours, 50 minutes and 15 seconds, Tim. (laughs) That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. That's all that the site is. It's just a countdown. You know, that's really all the site is, but it's awesome. I visited it all the time. So the big news. Yeah, I guess it could be considered kind of big if you really look at the long terms of what's going to happen here. And we just talked about this literally. The last show, Tommy, was the, the Baker Mayfield uh, scenario in Cleveland with, with Deshaun and all his uh, legal issues. Well, there is no there is no Baker Mayfield scenario in Cleveland. He gone. He's now a Carolina Panther. I am. I'm shocked, but not. Here's why. Okay, let, let's let me break this down. You know, uh, more more intelligently. I'm not shocked that Baker Mayfield is not a, a Cleveland Brown. I'm not shocked that Baker Mayfield's a Carolina Panther at all. If you would ask me, I probably would have put money on both of these things to happen. I'm just stunned at the road to get here, Tim. Hmm. You know, I, I'm stunned that it took this long. They didn't get something done before the draft. I'm stunned at the pathetic return they got for Baker. I'm stunned that people that talk about Baker Mayfield believe he's going to have competition with Sam Darnold. I'm stunned that Baker Mayfield's stock has fallen this far down because he played through an injury. And I'm stunned that through all of this, the Cleveland Browns are looking, literally looking at their fan base and saying, don't worry, Jacoby Brissett's our guy. You know, I, if you asked me the day after the season ended, I would have told you, yeah, Deshaun might go to Cleveland and Baker going to Carolina. If you would have asked me, you know, we're in the Super Bowl, if, you know, right before the draft, I would say, yeah, Baker's going to go in Carolina. Yep, I, I get it. But sometimes the road to get to a certain end point, Tim, it gets very weavy. So we're in an end point I don't think anybody should be nervous about. We're in an end point nobody should be shocked about. We're in an end point where it all makes sense. But man, the road to get here 
was just not at all what I expected. And there was a lot of times I thought that this end result would not happen. We continue to keep believing that Cleveland is smarter than Cleveland is continues to show us. And they're just not. They got nothing for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield can play in this league. I know that the hate is uh, they can't stand his commercials and you don't like the personality and all that stuff. Guys, it's the same stuff I used to say about Jay Cutler. And when me and you and Ron used to have the conversations about Jay Cutler and Ron would say, well, he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Like, of course he's not. But we have three portions, and I've mentioned this before, so bear with me if you guys are listening to it again. I think we have three things in the NFL as far as quarterbacks. You have top ten quarterbacks, the one-third of the league that can win a championship, meaning they have, they've shown the ability, you think they can. You have the bottom 10. The bottom 10 quarterbacks in the league are either rookies or really old guys kind of hanging on, looking over their shoulder, not really starters. And then you have the middle ground, and you have the middle 10 guys. In my opinion, Jay Cutler was always in that middle 10. In my opinion, Baker Mayfield's in that middle 10, Tim. I don't Mm -hmm. think he is a guy that is in that bottom 10. And I certainly don't think he's a guy that will ever be in the upper 10. But can you make an argument that Baker Mayfield is better than half of the league? I I think I'm ready to make that argument. I think Carolina got an absolute steal here. Don't forget, Baker was playing through an injury. Conditional pick, meaning so it's either a fourth or a fifth in 2024, so they don't even get it for another two years, and that depends on Baker's playing time in Carolina. And Cleveland's going to pay $10.5 million of of the current – uh, year so Carolina pays under five million to have them, and they give up basically a cup of a cup of coffee draft pick here, Tommy. I, I just you said it best. Cleveland thinks they're they're smarter than they are. I can't even justify um, thinking of what an intelligent response would be of why they moved him for little to nothing. Not no, and Jacoby, they, I, Jacoby's I not the guy. I don't think they could have gotten more, Tim. I don't think they could have gotten more, and they couldn't have gotten more. Because they showed their hand, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they went out and they gave the biggest contract ever to Deshaun Watson. They, 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 they had to. I mean, right now, do you realize that the Cleveland Browns are paying Baker Mayfield $10.5 million to not play for them? Right. I, I mean, that's ridiculous. The Cleveland Browns are going to pay Baker Mayfield to try to beat them in week one. In that game, Cleveland will be paying Baker to play against them. Now, let me ask you this, because I I made the comment. So I I want to go into it, because I I know we're going to get people to write us. You guys can always give us a call, 876-1340, 876-1340. Tim, I'm going to give you every quarterback in the NFL that's starting right now. And I, I, want a, I want a definitive, yes, he's better than Baker, okay? If, mm-hmm. if you think he's on the same plane, then it's not a definitive, okay? So Josh Allen, yes, right? Right. Okay, Tua. Definitely better than Baker. Uh, no. Okay. Mac Jones. No. Wilson from the Jets. That's, that's a big no. Okay, Lamar is, right? Yep. Burrow is? Yep. Jacoby Brissett? <laughs> no. Okay, Trubinsky or Pickett? No. All right. Um, Davis Mills? 
No. Matt Ryan. Uh, no, not at his, his age, no. no. Trevor Lawrence. No. Ryan Tannehill. No. So we're going to give it Mahomes, Wilson, Carr, and Herbert all are, right? Mahomes. Yes. Yes, to Okay. Yeah. So that's seven. So that means there's seven quarterbacks in the AFC definitively better. Let's move to the NFC. Uh, I think we'll we'll give it to Dak, right? Yeah. We're not giving it to Daniel Jones. No. We're not giving it to Jalen Hurts, are we? Are we going there yet? No, not yet. Carson Wentz. No. All right. Justin Fields. No. Jared Goff. No. 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 Okay. We got to go to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers makes nine. What about Kirk Cousins? I'll probably lean no, but I could make a case for yes. I'll say no. Let's give him a yes. Let's give him a yes. That's 10. Right? We'll be favorable here. Okay? Okay. That's 10. Mariota? No. No. Right? Winston? No. No. Brady, of course, that's 11. I'll give him Murray. I'll give him Stafford. Yes. That's 13. Right? Are we giving him Trey Lance? No. No. Are are we giving him Drew Locke? Absolutely not. So there are 13 quarterbacks in the NFL, and we were favorable with the Kirk Cousins. We were 13 quarterbacks in the NFL that are absolutely better than Baker Mayfield. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's not the, – I'm not a Baker Mayfield apologist here, but he's he's not a throwaway piece. He's not a fourth-rounder in 2024 piece here, Tim, right? I mean, he's he is a, a – on a good day, he's a top 15 quarterback. On a bad day, he's still a starting quarterback in this league. Yeah, he's, he's, there's no doubt about it. And you're right. It's it's a fourth-round pick for, for a, start, a top half starter in the league. And, you know, if anything, I'm expecting him to easily beat Sam Darnold out for this job, which they're trying to make into a, um, you know – the great race for who the quarterback is going to be. And in that division, Tom, he, he sets up better, uh, more successful to beat a playoff team rather than in the division that he was playing in. We already know that. So I'm all for it. I, I, I want to see what the, the new Baker Mayfield can do, Tom. Here's what here's you, you want to make some bold predictions here, Tim. Not only do I think that he has a successful year in Carolina because he has decent weapons, right? I mean, just giving it off to McCaffrey is a def- decent weapon. Not only do I think he's going to have a good year in Carolina, Tim, I think they sign him, and I think five years from now, Baker Mayfield's still the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Hmm. I mean, you look at who Carolina has, what kind of draft pick, what, do they go into the draft, or do they do they give him the deal? I mean, again, we look at Baker Mayfield, and, and I think that a lot of people did this with a Jay Cutler. I think that a lot of people do this often. With a Ryan Tannehill falls into this, I think. Or Kirk Cousins falls into this. The grass is always greener on the other side. The problem is the other side often is worse. You know, I think Baker Mayfield can succeed in this league. Baker has shown me he can win games in this league. Like you said, Carolina to me. With Sam Darnold, Carolina was a team... That was a four, five, maybe six-win team. With Baker Mayfield, I'm going. I think they're going to be in the wild card hunt, Tim. Yeah, and what does it mean 
if if healthy, you have to like McCaffrey. Uh, statistically, DJ Moore. I think you know it's an upgrade. Like it's a definite upgrade as far as talent goes at the quarterback position. And if his head's on straight and he's healthy, you're right. They play in a weaker division. And looking at their schedule, right, Tom? Wouldn't say it's one of the harder ones in the league. So it sets up nicely for a, for a comeback story here. Yeah, it really does. And again, he's not he's not a guy that people like. But you have to give some credit where credit is due. I mean, you just have to. In 2019, the guy threw for 3,800 yards, uh, right, in 22 touchdowns. 2020, 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He is a guy that also plays with immense emotion. We remember in college grabbing his crotch and doing all this stuff, right? You don't think he's going to be out there with an intense emotion? You don't think he's going to be out there trying to prove a point every single game out there trying to show the Browns, you guys screwed up, you made a mistake? I mean, this this has the writings of Baker Mayfield at his chip on the shoulder best. Tom, you love the schedule makers, don't you? Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic. And, and how about, forget about the schedule makers, Tim, how about the amount of money that uh, the public is pouring in on the Browns or have already poured in on the Browns. And the line's sitting there at one right now. It's a yeah. one line, Tim. What are we looking at since we're talking NFL? Key in on, on, a, on a game you like, Tom? For that opening week you're going to be here, obviously, for for that Sunday. So... We, oh, I, Tim, guess we, I, I like a few. I like a few. I, I'm I just saying, I don't, I don't think the line changes dramatically between now and, and then. So, right, we kind of can key in and, and really lock in what we think is the best number. Yeah, uh, look, I, I have a couple that, that I'll give you just my quick takes on here. Um, I think that the hatred for the Chicago Bears is way overblown. Chicago's at home. Chicago is going to be ready for that game. And I'll tell you what, San Francisco, all the reports are coming out now. Trey Lance has a dead arm. You know how pitchers have a dead arm? He's got a dead arm. He doesn't look great. He's getting six and a half in that spot. I'm leaning the Bears, and that's not a favoritism thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati coming out. Oh, they're the Super Bowl team, and here we go. They, they made it, and watch what they have. Pittsburgh's catching six and a half. You're giving me Tomlin with an offseason almost getting a touchdown. I, I got to lean that. And Tim? The team that nobody wants. Nobody cares about. They're garbage. They're terrible. Why would anyone touch them, Tim? I kind of still look at this and say, it's a divisional matchup. You're giving a divisional team eight and a half points. I kind of like the Houston Texans, Tim. Everyone is sky high on Indianapolis who's changing. Remember, they lost their defensive coordinator. They're, they have a brand new quarterback in there. Everybody is getting down on Houston. I don't know if they could win the game. But eight and a half in a divisional matchup at home, I, I like that every day. So I like three dogs. Ravens minus four and a half at New York. Well, here's the thing, Tim. Go find me a four and a half. It's up to six and six and a half around town now. There's still some five and a halves hanging out there. You know I told you when the line first came out about two months ago, I said I'm jumping on the Ravens now. I have a ticket minus four, Tim. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's six. You got you got two five and a halves out there. I'm looking right now. You have two five and a halves. 
almost everything is six, and there's even creeping up to a six and a half. As we get closer, that's going to be closer and closer to a touchdown. Again, it's a road game. I'm not sure how Baltimore is going to automatically hit the ground running. They had a lot of injuries last year. Now you have to kind of integrate all those players back. I'm going to Baltimore is a team that I think has a real good opportunity to win the Super Bowl. A real good opportunity to win the Super Bowl. But their offseason has not gone the way that I thought. They have to integrate a lot of new players. Their quarterback is not signed, which can motivate guys, but it also could just unmotivate them. You know, I can see Lamar Jackson being like, why am I going to run around out here? Why, why am I going to take the extra pounding to my body if they won't even give me a, a, a check? Um, it could work in a negative light in the locker room as well. I want to see Lamar Jackson be signed. I want to see how their offseason programs are, how Bateman becomes the number one. Remember, they, they lost a wide receiver. Um, it's not so much about the Jets. It's about how Baltimore can gel. I don't like the skyrocketing line. 88% of money coming in on Baltimore. It's up to six, six and a half. Yeah, I bet at four and a half when we were talking about it, I haven't even I didn't even check it to be to be honest with you. And um going the wrong way, I think you're right. It's going the wrong way. And that that's generally what happens, right? The best lines are right when they come out most of the time. So Yeah, we both jumped on it. Yeah, I had I, I got a beauty line at minus four. I, I four and a half is perfectly fine as well. But you're gonna see people gonna wait. They're taking the summer off. People go to Key West and on boats, these lazy bastards. Right? <laughs> you, know, you know, they're gonna be doing all that, Tim, right? Um, and then they're gonna turn around two weeks before time and go, Oh, Ravens under a touchdown, let me bet this up, and you you might see that hit seven. Let me give you one more, since the Las Vegas Raiders are involved, Tom. Raiders at the Chargers. Last time we saw these teams meet. Uh, it's just a, a crazy ending that kept the Chargers out of the playoffs, put the Raiders in. So maybe a little revenge on L.A.'s mind here? Tim, me and Abby are sitting outside of, uh, of, of this bar. It's called the Rum Bar, right? It, it's this little little speakeasy place right on, right off of Duval. It's right you know, on the quiet side of Duval. We're sitting there having Bloody Marys, hanging out, relaxing early in the morning. And Abby starts talking about the AFC West. And this is what we talk about on vacation. Yes, that's who I am. So <laughs> I said to her what I've said to you many times. It's pretty funny that you bring it up. I said, you know, I think the Chargers could win the Super Bowl this year. I think they have everything in place. I can't find a fault to their team. I don't love their coach. but I can't find a fault to their team itself. They have the quarterback that's in place. They have a great running game. Their offensive line is better. They have the receivers. They added Khalil Mack. I love Derwin James. I love Bosa. It's hard to find something wrong with the Chargers. And she said, oh, you know, do you like them to win the Super Bowl? Do you like the odds? I said, no, I think they can win it, but but I don't love them. And she said, well, what about week one? Do you like them on week one minus the three and a half? I said, I love it, but I don't know if I'm going to bet it. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I've been on the air with Tim for almost 12 years now. And I feel like every year I tell you the Chargers are a team I would love to make a bet on. Everything's in place. And the Chargers just somehow or another happen to become the Chargers, Tim. So where we sit on July 10th, okay, I'm all over the Chargers. Three and a half is a gift. I think they, they they destroy the Raiders. I think the Raiders have a lot of good things going, but I think the Chargers could be a Super Bowl team. Tim, there's a lot of different things that can happen the next 59 days. And there's one snake-bitten franchise that always seems to go through a rough training camp, and that's the Chargers. If they come out unscathed, the three and a half I'll be all over. 
But I'm waiting to wait on this. I'm willing to wait on this just because I know the Chargers' history. It, to, what do we always say? Until you can prove it and do it, you kind of got to go with the trend. And you're right. It's, it's whatever voodoo magic has been laced upon the Chargers. It's, it's um, maybe Herbert's the guy that can break them from that. But we saw if it happen. I remember three years ago, I was on the air with you. And we did a show on a Saturday night. And we were talking about the, and I said, you know, I followed Derwin James from Florida State. I thought he was going to be the huge, I thought he was the missing piece to that team. And I said, I think the Chargers could make a huge run. I said, Tim, I'm going to be out there. And it was about two weeks. So I said, I'm going to be out there in two or three weeks. And when I come out there, I'm going to take a stab at the Chargers for the Super Bowl. We were on Sunday night. And I said, I can't believe they lost Derwin James for the year. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at the misfortune, but no, I mean, that's the kind of year that it was. But these things happen to the Chargers all the time. Yeah. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio here on a Saturday night. Take our first time out. We'll move over to the basketball court next. Something going on in Vegas. We'll talk to Tommy about that. And Major League Baseball will dominate our two as we get ready for the halfway point of the season. All-star game topics. We're going to talk MVP where we're sitting as last year when we talked about the great race between Vladdy and Shohei. Is there one now again this year? We don't think, me and Tommy don't think so, but people are trying to make a case for it. We'll talk about that in hour two as well. Stay tuned. It's Heat Wave Sports back after this. Plenty going on here in the city of Las Vegas. Summertime. It's hot as. T Tom, what was the temperature where you were at? Just, just rub it in even more, man. Well, it, it, Key West is uh, is one of those unique places, Tim. It never gets too hot, never gets too cold. But um, you know, it, it was sitting right around eighty eight. That's, <laughs> that's that's generally where it sits. You know, it it it's the one place in America that has never had a freeze. Um, I have been swimming there in February, but I've also been there in July and August. I mean, listen, it gets hot. It's obviously, you know, it's Florida, so it gets humid. But you're never going to see like 98 in, in Key West. It's on the equator there. It's real damn close to the equator. So, no, beautiful 88, nice little breeze coming off the water. Absolutely. Uh, uh, they call it paradise for a reason. It was 108 here today, Tom. <laughs> I've done that too. Listen, I, I remember, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are going to remember this. Remember they used to have a temperature read outside of Circus Circus on the big, you know, the big screen? I was there in August, uh, and it said 118 one time out on the strip. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts out here. It's just going to continue until um, the end of August. And there is, you know, in the this time of year, you have your baseball, but other sports try to be relevant. We see the NFL, the free agent bonanza, and now the NBA with the draft. And then we have this thing that you and I, every summer, we bring it up because somebody, even locally on these stations, Tom, somebody tries to make a case for why the NBA Summer League is so important to the league. The league that I didn't watch a minute of this year, when my favorite team was playing in the finals, 
and again, I heard it this week about how they're, they're at they're at the they're at the league. They're doing their shows from there, promoting it. It's just garbage. It's complete garbage, Tom. Yeah, it's it's a joke. Um, look, it's a it's a it's a good showcase for rookies. It's something, you know. And and here's where here's where I look at Vegas and I I'm going to get flack for this, but it's because I think you're better than this, Las Vegas. I think you're better than the summer league. You know, this isn't a time where Vegas should be enamored with, you know, basically what is the the better representation of amateurs playing. This is not Vegas. You're you're better than this. You are now a professional sports city. If the summer league came out and tried to do this in L.A., Chicago, New York, Miami, Dallas, you wouldn't you wouldn't get a, a it wouldn't get a back back page headline. You wouldn't get a stitch of air to, you know, maybe some radio station might sign a deal where they'd be forced to cover it. But no, you're better than this, Las Vegas. This is, it's a nothing situation. It's a nothing league. People don't even know what's going on. And and here we go. Okay. Just because of my recent, you know, tenure and what we're doing. um, I got to say that I was probably in 50 bars over the last four or five days, right? Bars, restaurants, whatever you want to call it. It's not just for drinking, just to hang out. Not one single TV, not one TV had on a summer league game. Zero, zero. I was in Miami airport, huge sports bar, because I had a a little bit of a layover. Probably 25 TVs there, not one summer league game. We're going through LaGuardia Airport, New York, huge bar, you know, sports bar in there. Not one single TV on a summer league game. Now, I will tell you what they did have on. We, uh, we saw a lot of Wimbledon. We saw the, the NFL Network at the airport today. The NFL Network had the Dallas Cowboys, the 1999 home opener against the Washington Redskins. Yeah, that was that was on TV. That was a took precedent. I mean, this is what was on. Not one television was on the Summer League. And when I look at a sports city like Las Vegas, and when me and you started this, well, well when I started this with you, more than a decade ago, Doing summer league and covering summer league and summer. Okay, you go. Hey, it's the only kind of representation of professionals that we have come to the city that is, uh, you know, enamored with what we're what they're doing. That's no longer. You have two pro four, pro teams there. You have two pro teams. Why would the summer league capture the entertainment value that it really is? And we do. We flip the dial, and people are breaking down summer league games, talking about summer league games as if it is. An important venue. No, look, if you want to bet on the games and that's your goal, I get it. I will bet on, you know, two cockroaches racing up a wall if I think I can make some money on it. I get it. I get that you think that there might be an advantage. Okay, I'm excluding the people that are doing it and watching this strictly for betting purposes. I'm talking to you people that think that this is an entertainment value. This is not an entertainment. I was, I went to summer league games. I sat next to Chris Winford one of the summer league games. It was entertaining. It went into overtime. Hey, good game. I don't remember one player on the team. I don't remember who was even playing. It was just, you know, a good game. If I went to a good high school game, I would have the same feeling about it. It, The mass appeal of the Summer League is so overblown by the Las Vegas media. It's incredible. It really is incredible. It's a glorified college all-star game, right? That's exactly what it is. And and guess what? Not even because a lot of those guys wouldn't even make the all-star team in, in college. Right, right. So you have your your top picks, uh, 
sprinkle in some of the, the, the low end first, early round second guys, and the rest are free agents trying to get a look. So to say that it's important to see the superstars of the future where they're not playing against a top tier talent. In fact, if anything, Tommy, and, and a lot of people in this city on the air, different stations, it's it's essentially just an opportunity to talk about the pro players that come out and watch it or the celebrities that come watch it. It's more about the people watching the game than it is about the people that are actually playing the game. Which is a detriment to Las Vegas as a sports city, which is why when you talk about Las Vegas being a sports city to people that are not intimate with Las Vegas, they, they kind of chuckle. Oh, come on. They'll never be a sports city. And, and not that anyone's directly pointing into summer league, but, oh, no, you know, too, too obsessed with the celebrity too into how they look instead of the substance. And you go, you know, I try to stick up for it. No, it's not really like that. And then the summer league comes around and you go, Oh geez, I guess it is kind of like that. I mean, Tim, me and you are, are minor league baseball fans. Yeah. I understand the minor league, you know, game as well as just about anybody that you're going to hear on the air as well as you do. I love it, but I understand my place. I'm not wearing blinders. We're not doing, you know, a two hour show on a Saturday night talking about the all-star game for the minor leagues. We'll mention it, but we also know our place. Even if it was taking place in the middle of, of Las Vegas Boulevard, right? It doesn't matter. We're, we're not going to talk about it to that length because you have to understand what this is and where these guys are. For a lot of these players, it's nothing more than an exhibition to try to work on some stuff. Uh, it's nothing more than kind of an entertainment value for them. Let me kind of showcase what I could do here or there. Oh, this is what I've been working on in the offseason. Now, for a lot of guys, look, this is their their entire lives is to talk about Summer League and uh, to get onto Summer League and get to be talked about and to put on a display because they want to make a roster and change their family's futures. Hey, I give you all the credit in the world. But from a strict entertainment value, it's just not there. It's not there on the mass appeal level that the Las Vegas media or a large portion of the Las Vegas media wants it to be. It just isn't there. There's actually, I saw this, I was researching, we decided we were going to talk about the subject I, I was researching on, on uh, Apple. There's like four different podcasts, Tom, devoted to the NBA Summer League. Can you believe that? And if they're not doing it just for sports betting, that is a, a really, really <laughs> shallow existence. I mean, it really, if, if, if that's... Oof, I mean, if that's what you're pinning your hopes to, if that is your <laughs> entertainment value, that, that's a that's a that's a rough day. I mean, that, that you know, get out and just just breathe the air, man. You know, go 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 introduce yourself to people. Go go find a girlfriend, because <laughs> it, it it's got to be better out there than than sitting around and just concentrating on summer league. And again, if you're doing it to make a buck, I I, I sure okay. You know, if you're a scout. If you're doing it to scout players, you're a scout, and you're going to get paid, all right, there's reasons for it. But don't tell me you're sitting around planning your day around the summer league. <laughs> well, now that we've crapped all over, the summer league continues through next week over at the Thomas <laughs> Max Center. Go check out Banchero. Uh, you know. But, Tim, it's entertaining. I, I mean, like I said, I've gone to the games. I thought it was great. It's greatly entertaining uh, for – you got nothing else to do that night, right? I, but but again, you got to love the sport. I'm somebody that would go out and watch a high school basketball game and go, hey, it's greatly entertaining. I'm not going right. to devote a podcast to it. 
And if you're a Duke fan, yeah, you get to see Ben Sherrill wear his his Magic jersey. Or if you're a a Gonzaga fan and seeing uh, Holmgren out there, right? Jabari Smith. I I get it all. They're not even wearing the real jerseys, Tim. Yeah, I know. know. Not even names on the back of the jersey. (laughs) I I understand. it, And and like you said, I've been there. I've done that. I went to a couple where they were really good. They were a really good class of, of players there. I was just—I'm not sold on this NBA draft class, so it doesn't—it's not as a big thing for me. And the game is changing so much that, again, it could be a personal thing. But I've, like, I've stayed away the the past few years, and honestly, from from people that have gone daily, I haven't missed anything. So, we are well, where we are. Thing. I, I mean, you you still have said you haven't watched a minute of the NBA this year, and I can't find a reason for you to watch it next year yet. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting. Just, maybe maybe Durant will go somewhere and it'll be entertaining. But right now I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get you back. I'm trying to get you back to the NBA and I, I can't uh, come up with a convincing argument. Tim. And you said if it wasn't for the, for TBS, you probably wouldn't watch it either. Yeah. Well, that's you know? exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I didn't have an opportunity to make money and I absolutely cleaned up in the NBA this year, um, because of part of the reason why I don't like to watch it as ironic as that is, I think that the NBA is getting increasingly easy to predict, um, which helps my bank account, but it's boring to watch the games. Let's shift over to the NHL real quick, Tom, before we take the top of the hour. We had the draft this week, and free agency starts Wednesday, and I want to talk more about the free agent part of it because we just had a Stanley Cup champion crowned in, in Colorado a couple weeks back. Darcy Kemper signed in the offseason or excuse me, traded in the offseason from Phoenix to Colorado, wins wins the cup, solid game six to get the job done, Tom, and he's not coming back. He is hitting the free agent market Wednesday, so Colorado will go with Frank Coos, who we saw in the playoffs play, and they acquired the backup from the Rangers to, to be the tandem there in Colorado. So the Stanley Cup winning goalie is not going to be re-signed by the Stanley Cup winning team. Yeah, really weird, but it's Colorado. It's the one team that you look at and you go, okay, so they lose a goalie and you go, yeah, it doesn't really affect me. Um, they lost Grubauer, Tim, right? I mean, we all thought yeah. that he was the guy to kind of take them to the promised land. They lose him and they go on to win the cup. Uh, it, not that it was because of him one way or the other. I think that they knew when they changed horses during the playoffs, I think they knew what was going on. I think they understood – what direction they were going to go in. They kind of prepared their team for it. They prepared their fan base for it. I'm sure they prepared both goalies for it. We also like writing on the wall. When the writing was on the wall, you go, okay, you know, it's easier to go. You said, you know, Stanley Cup goalie uh, leaves a team. But did he really? I, I mean, you know, was there ever a point that you were like, okay, he's the definitive guy? Not really. We were debating it even as the series was going on. No, you're right. It was more of a if you if you hit the headlines, oh, we won the cup, and by the way, we're not re-signing the goalie that won the cup for us, and, and it's instant like, oh, what's going on? But right, if you look into, <clears throat> let's just look at it from the the dollars and cents angle. He's due a big big raise now. He's going to get more money than the four and a half million that he made this year in Colorado, and and when you talk cap cap wise, Tom, they have more important players, I guess you could say that they they sign long term. We're talking about the core of that offense. And their and their top defensemen that are more important than 
Darcy Kemper, who was a very good goalie, but had a very good defense in front of him. Well, yeah, and and you have his replacement. I mean, that is the biggest thing. You know, you have his built-in replacement, who, oh, by the way, is also wearing a ring and had playoff success, right? So that certainly helps. The, The cheaper, younger version, right? Right, yes, yeah, exactly. Don't think that that doesn't play into it. So there's a couple big names that are going to hit the market. We saw today in a, in a restricted signing period that Forsberg is going back to Nashville. He signed a long-term deal. But the, the top name right now, Tommy, and as much as both sides are saying the right things and that they want to, uh, they want him to come back. He loves it in Calgary. You know, we're we're going to do what we have to do. Johnny Gaudreau is, is up for grabs. And it's going to be whoever gives him the most money is where he's going. He's not taking a hometown discount to stay in Calgary as much as he loves it. We know that. That's the top name right now, Wednesday. I, I'm interested to see what happens here. Tim, I was pretty convinced over the course of the year that he was never going back. As the year went on, and as I saw you know, the fan base sort of just absolutely jump on top of, uh, you know, who he was, what he meant to the team, what he was going to do. I started to believe, okay, maybe they could lure him back. Maybe they're going to be able to do it. Um, It's not for lack of money or anything like that. I just, I looked at it and I said, I know that they know how important, but will they pay him? Will they go out there and give him all that money? I'm still skeptical, Tim. It seems like you are more in the camp of they will definitely resign him. It's just kind of a matter of what. I'm skeptical. I think that there could be a big move here where we sit around and we turn around and we go, wow, you know, we knew it was happening. We didn't know if it was 100% going to happen. And where does he wind up? I'm not convinced that he's going back to Calgary right now. I think for me it's more of, look, whatever he's going to, whatever it's going to cost them, I think he made, you know, he made nowhere near superstar money last year. He made... I want to say he was a little over, almost close to seven million, but he's getting paid. There's no doubt about it. How do you replace if you're Calgary and you're coming off that great season they had? It was awesome to see the playoffs, right? With the the the, uh, the old Saddle Dome just rocking there. How do you replace forty goals and seventy five assists, Tom? Like you cannot do it. No, you can't do it. You know. um, but there are some teams chomping at the bit, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, how? How do you go out there and, and you know, it, they had their chance is kind of what I'm saying. You know, how do you go out there and now go compete with the big teams, the big names, um, everybody that, that you can see the speculation going on. I keep hearing the Flyers are the team that is really going to kind of make a giant push. These are things that you go, okay, uh, Johnny Gordeaux was caught wearing an A.J. Brown jersey earlier this year. So... You, you, right? You go, oh, what is that all about? But an A.J. Brown, Philadelphia jersey, you know, um, you, you start to go, okay, New Jersey Devils are a team that they're going, oh, they might come up with massive money. The under-the-radar teams that are looking at a, the guy like Johnny Gordeaux, who's from New Jersey, I think people are clinging to, hey, if he's going to be able to make all that money, why not come home and do it? So you're saying 60-40, he goes elsewhere. I, I, I think, yeah, I think I'm, 
Yeah, I, I think I might be even higher than that. I might be 70-30. I'm fairly convinced he's not He's not going to resign. Like I said, if you would have asked me before the year, I said there's no way he's resigning. Because Calgary had such a nice year. And it was the, – the team got behind him. The city got behind him. He, he was the, kind of just their guy. I started to believe, but now that the dust has settled, I, I kind of am coming back to reality a little bit. And I'm saying, no, I don't know. I, I don't – I don't know. I, I think maybe I got caught up too much in the fervor of what was going on as opposed to going, no, it makes logical sense that a guy from New Jersey wouldn't want to play his entire career in Calgary. Yeah. If all the money's the same. And this is not a knock to Calgary. You know, I'd be saying the same thing if somebody played for Philadelphia, you know, and they were from Calgary, I'd be saying the same thing. If all the money's the same and you have an opportunity to go home, why would you not? Then again, Mike Trout's playing for the Angels. Right. That's a good example, actually. Yeah. And other than, like I said, Forsberg re-signs eight-year deal to stay with Nashville. Goudreau was pretty much the number one free agent on the board. After that, it's a lot of veteran veteran guys. Looks like Pittsburgh's going to go into um, <clears throat> complete rebuild here, Tommy, in that Latang and Malkin are both up on the free agent market. And, you know, when you talk about icons in Pittsburgh, I think – after, other than Crosby, Malkin is the last one left. And look, he's going to be 36, 37. Latang's going to be 36. It's just run his course, right? They, you know, these guys did what they had to do. They got their paid. You know, Malkin's, this is an eight-year deal that he's coming off of, Tom. So they got their money's worth. It's just time to move on. Patrice Bergeron, Boston, also up on the market. He's 37. So it, it's, it's pretty much just a lot of veterans at this point. But you're going to see, Tom, that these teams start adding these role players to build up for the next season. So those are pretty much the big names that I saw. Yeah, I, I know the Rangers lost their backup goalie as well, um, which is a shot to them a little bit. You know, I mean, it, it, it's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, he goes to Colorado. Yeah. So, you know, they want that one-two punch. They lose Kemper, but they got a pretty decent one-two punch. And look, he, he's no Igor, clearly, okay, but he's 26 years old. He averaged, you know, allowed less than three goals against. He, he was fine. I watched him. You know what I mean? It's fine. And he's, again, he's 26 years old. Marc-Andre Fleury re-signed Tommy with the, the Minnesota Wild. So no Las Vegas reunion. Shocking. Ha-ha. Yeah. That, that's, I, listen, that's a little shocking that he, he wouldn't want to go to uh, a more championship-ready kind of team at this stage in his career. I know Minnesota's good, but I think he would have had a chance to – I I actually thought he might go to Colorado because I knew that they were going to go and, and kind of grab a second guy. I thought maybe he would be uh, Colorado-bound or, or staring at a situation where he could kind of say, all right, at the end of my career, I'll split time, I'll play 60-40, uh, but I got a chance for a t- championship. Yeah, that would seem like a, a good destination for him because exactly he's going to go to a, a place where he can, at at worst, he's in a tandem situation. But uh, dollars and cents, right, Tom? So he signs for half of what he was coming off of. The, the big thing in Vegas was that, oh, we're not going to pay two goalies one seven million and one five million, so we got to we got to shed the seven. He's only making three and a half million now, Tom. So it's definitely something where. It's t- the uh, economics of, of the situation. So, I think it goes to show you he didn't leave Vegas 
uh, because he wanted to leave Vegas or he was asking for too much money or any of the talking points that we heard why he was out of town. Yeah. I think we know all know exactly why he's out of town. Uh, one hour in the books. We come back. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball in our number two, the All-Star Game. Voting is in. We'll look at that. We're going to talk MVP race. Is there a race? We'll break that down for you as well. And, of course, go across the league and take a look at the teams that are, are streaking and the teams that are not doing so well right now. Happens to be, Tom, that both of my teams are involved in that discussion, so we'll break that down in hour two after the timeout. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. All right, hour two, Heat Wave Sports, FSR, Las Vegas, every Saturday and Sunday night. Tim, uh, sorry, Tommy and I will take you around the world of sports. And, and Tommy, the All-Star Game, like I said, in, to open the show, always correlates with around your birthday. And really the only time that you can get what we call, quote-unquote, we'll put them in quotes here, days off, Tom. <laughs> days off sounds like a pretty fun idea, Tim. It, it, it is. I will still be working, but yes, it is actually – Days where I don't have to put up games, days I don't have to handicap, specific games that day. And you know what I usually do, Tim? I usually take one of those days because I'm just such a creature of habit. I usually take one of those days and I really start digging into a little college football. I've started already. I've been in the text threads with guys and we're picking our games. I've been watching a lot of uh, games from last year, a lot of film from last year. But I'll start getting a good sense of college football by next weekend. Yes, that that is. You, you talk about the NFL countdown. It's actually less days for the college football kickoff. That's that's. I don't know if there's somebody has a website for that, Tom, but it's um. Forty-eight days we're at. 40, there you go. Forty-eight. <laughs> forty-eight <laughs> days away. Well, we have the Midsummer Classic coming up. We know, we know who the starters are going to be, Tom. So, shall we just? I think the easiest way to do it is just look at the position, say who's going to do it, and if there's a a debate on why that guy should or shouldn't be there. Does that sound good for you? Yeah, that works. All right. So this game will be played on Tuesday in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. The catchers for the National League, it'll be Wilson Contreras, his third All-Star game for the American League, first time ever for Alejandro Kirk. Are you okay with these these two guys being named the starters? Yeah, I mean, the Toronto thing, you'll see, is going to get a little tedious here. Um, but Kirk's numbers are, are off the charts. He's really not a catcher. That's my only my only kind of qualm. I mean, this guy, he's not going to – his career is not going to be behind the plate. He's going to turn into a DH, basically. But he's batting over 300 as a catcher right now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I have no problem with that. And on the other side – Wilson Contreras, look, I think Tyler Stevenson is a better player. I think Tyler Stevenson should get the credit. But Stevenson did go down now for the last, uh, what, almost a month. His numbers were real good. Tyler Stevenson's numbers were right there, among right, right with anybody else. And I like him. Um, I, I don't have a huge debate about it. But I, I really do wish that Stevenson got more of the credit. 
you know, he's batting over 300 as well as a full-time catcher. And remember, these are these starters are voted in by the fans, so that that's the common theme we're going to see here as we move down position by position. Contreras, Tommy, having his what free agent career year, of course, because he's an open market after this summer. Right. Yeah, he's going to be playing most likely for a contender very quickly here. Yeah. Over at first, Paul Goldschmidt, it'll be his third All-Star game, and Vladdy Jr., his second time. Yeah, uh, Paul Goldschmidt 100% deserves to be there. Paul Goldschmidt is the MVP of the league. I don't think anybody can argue that. Paul Goldschmidt's numbers are just dynamic in the National League. No, absolutely no argument there. I know a lot of people are thinking Pete Alonso should get, you know, uh, be pushing. No, no, no. Um, not at all. It's it's Goldschmidt. And over here, Vladimir Guerrero, look, here you go. I'm going to go back to what you said, right? Um, the fans picked this because Vladimir Guerrero doesn't belong here at all. Vlad's not having a very good year. He's having a solid year for anybody else. Uh, to me, and this is a Yankee bias, but it's the truth. Look, I'm going Anthony Rizzo. He's got 22 homers, 52 RBIs. I know he's batting 223, which is a problem, so I can't argue too much. But I don't think that Guerrero has earned this spot here. Guerrero, of course, was the MVP of last year's All-Star Game. Second base, it'll be Jazz Chisholm Jr. over for the Marlins, his first All-Star appearance. And in the American League, Altuve, Tom, his fifth now for Houston. Jazz Chisholm is the fun guy. He's the explosive guy. He's a guy that everybody loves to watch play, Tim, right? He's batting 250. He's got about 40 runs scored, 14 homers, 12 stolen bases. I, I, I can't argue with that. But I do look at this and I say, Jake Cronensworth is on his way for San Diego. He's on his way for 110 RBIs, 110 uh, runs scored. I mean, you know, he doesn't have the power numbers or the steal numbers. He's not as flashy, but he's the number three batter on a team that is pushing the Dodgers for first place. And he's going to be a 100-100 guy. I wish we could find a way to get Jake Cronensworth there. I got no problem with, with Chisholm. Altuve shouldn't be anywhere near this list. Uh, I, I could come up with about five or six first basemen that deserve or second basemen that deserve it. Um, I would I would have chosen Andres uh, Jimenez from Cleveland, who I know is a hybrid shortstop, but he's right now just having a much better season. Over at the hot corner, Manny Machado, his third all-star start from the Padres. American League, it'll be Rafi Devers, his second all-star start. Here, here we go again. I um, Look, I can't get down on Devers in any way, shape, or form. You know, Devers is, is the guy. He's got the numbers. You can't argue that. And Manny Machado, people are saying MVP, right? I mean, Manny Machado, everyone's looking at him as the shoe-in, as the sure thing. I, I think if you if you really want to argue this, and I kind of do, um, I'm going with Austin Riley here, Tim. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the numbers. Manny Machado's numbers are very, very good. He's got 300 average. He's got seven steals with 14 home runs, 50 runs, 50 RBIs. Uh, he's playing a, a very good, solid defense there. And then you bring up Austin Riley, right? He's got basically the same amount of runs, basically the same amount of RBIs. He's got more home runs. He's batting a little less, and he's, he's batting in the middle of a, that Atlanta team we can't overlook. I know Machado's going to be the guy here, Tim. 
But I think Austin Riley has a real good argument. Shortstop, American League will go. He made his first All-Star selection last year. He gets his first All-Star start this year. Tim Anderson, and on the National League side of it, hometown Dodgers get their guy in as a starter, Trey Turner. Yeah, I don't really argue either one of these. Um, I'm not a fan of Tim Anderson at all, uh, but it, the numbers you can't argue with, even with missing time. And Trey Turner, uh, one of the best top, and I've been saying this for five years, one of the top best two or three players in the league. I, I Yeah, I absolutely love Trey Turner. This is a no-brainer for me at shortstop. In the outfield for the home team National League, it'll be Mookie Betts, his third start. Yock Peterson will be his first start, having a seven. You know he slumped a little bit here, but he was he got off to a hot start. He has 17 home runs right now for the Giants. And Ronald Acuna, his third All Star start. Tommy at 24 years of age. Eh, look, it's fan voting. We have to look at it that way. We'll start with the National League, then we'll get to the American League. Acuna, Peterson, Betts. Uh, Acuna shouldn't be anywhere near this list. Right. I, I you know Peterson's got the numbers. He doesn't have the name. He's got the numbers. Mookie Betts is pushing for an MVP at this point right now. Uh, you know, I mean, say what you want about it, but, I'll, I mean, Acuna? Are, are we kidding me? Uh, he shouldn't be anywhere near this list. And it's not like we're talking about a position that doesn't have a lot. He's just coming on now, but the guy's batting 270, Tim. He's got no power to speak of. He's got eight home runs on the season. 22 RBIs. Tim, 22 RBIs in 200 at-bats. I, You know... I, I get it that he's 24 years old. He's flashy. Everybody loves him. He's going to get the steals, all that. I, I get the allure of pushing him, and he's going to be one of the greats, and he's going to be this, and he's going to be that. I still believe that you have to go on what the players are actually doing right now. What the players are doing right now tells me, no, he does not belong there. American League. Judge, Trout, Stanton. I'm okay with it. Um, I think you, you know, you look at this and the immediate reaction is, you know, how is Julio Rodriguez not there? And I, I'm, I'm a Yankee, but how, how do you not? You want to promote the game? You know, Julio Rodriguez got 15 homers, 21 steals. If his season ended today, he's a great rookie year. <laughs> right? I mean, if his season ended today, 15 homers, 21 steals, Seattle's taking that all day. I think you have to find a way to get him onto this team. Um He's he's one of my top three snubs. I think Julio Rodriguez is a top snub. I told you I was okay with Devers, but to me, Jose Ramirez is a giant snub. And we'll talk about the next position that you're going to say. Again, we'll preface it with this is fan voting, so a lot of times the people that should be there aren't even in. They weren't even in the final. Like Julio Rodriguez wasn't even in the final phase of the voting, Tommy. That, yeah. that, it's all Toronto guys, so... Obviously, you know who's stuffing the ballots. DH is the last spot. Bryce Harper, sixth all-star start. He will not play, of course. And Shohei Otani, now his second consecutive start. And we'll, we'll let me start on this one, Tom, because you know I love the guy to death. But Jordan Alvarez deserves to be the, the DH there. Yeah, well, Jordan Alvarez, 26 home runs, 60 RBIs, 57 runs, batting 311. Um, Otani's there for name recognition and name recognition only. If you look at who Shohei Otani is as a hitter, and I get it, you can't separate them, but yeah, you kind of can when you're talking about this. As a hitter, less runs, less homers, 
less RBIs, less batting average. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, we have him in there because he's good for the game. You have him in there to promote the game. But, yeah, you, you, you can't do that. And as far as the DH goes, I'm going to be interested to see who they fill in. Because I did mention Pete Alonso, Tim. You know, that that's one of the guys. And my three snubs are all from the American League. The guy that I think that they should throw in there uh, for DH here, how about C.J. Cron, Tim? Colorado, yeah. no, nobody's paying attention to this guy. 20 bombs, 50 RBI, 66 RBIs, 50 runs scored. He's batting 300. C.J. Cron's my, my DH once you take out Bryce Harper because of uh, him being injured. Now, have they released the, the uh, reserves? Did you see that? No, they didn't do that yet. No, okay. not yet. So we'll get the reserves and the pitchers coming up this week, I assume, and then then we'll get the, the injury replacements, right, Tom, and we'll get guys that somehow drop out or they're not playing, and then each team has to have a representative, right? So right. This, this is where you start going at, at that point. So Yeah, this is where it starts getting frustrating. I mean, I was watching the Kershaw start today because I took the Dodgers today. I was watching the Kershaw start, and they're saying, well, you know, it would be a dream if Kershaw started the All-Star game. It'd be great if Kershaw was the starter. Look, I love Kershaw. He's not starting the All-Star game. We want him against Otani. Like, I like Otani. He should, neither one of those guys should be anywhere near starting the game. I mean, you know, you put him in there, sure. But they're not going to start the game. Uh, I also wanted to bring up that this year they're also doing the legacy guys. So mm-hmm. Albert Pauls and Miguel Cabrera will also be a part of the teams because they're giving legacy players. If, if you had to pick, and this is up to the managers, we know that, but and you're going by this, how they're doing this, this thus far this season – wouldn't it be Justin Verlander versus Tony Goslin? Is that that that's the all-star matchup, right? You don't know. No, I I'll tell you what. I have Shane McClanahan over Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got two less two less wins, Tim. Right, but he's got fifty more strikeouts, and he's got a lower ERA. So I'm go, I'm taking Shane McClanahan. As far as the National League, look, Tony Goslin's got to be right there. I mean, he he. He probably is the guy. Could you make a push for Joe Musgrove? Sure. Could you make a push for Sandy Alcantara? Absolutely. Um, but I hate to say it, but Kershaw's nowhere near my my conversation. You know, I, I would go with you want to look if you want to go with Alcantara, you want to go with, uh, with Musgrove. Both of them are fine. You said Tony Goslin. I can't even argue. And even Corbin Burns is going to be like, hey guys, wait a minute. <laughs> you know. My 134 strikeouts has to mean something, even though I only have seven wins. I think that I'm okay with any of them. In the American League, though, I'm not I'm not giving it to Verlander. They probably will. But Shane McClanahan, across the board, is having a better year. Will be a topic of discussion, but, it's, you know, it's fun in games. Like you said, there's more involved in getting there than the actual game itself, so... That'll be fun to see the reserves. And then we could really talk about the snubs at that point, Tom. But I wanted to, to kind of shift over to MVP talk. We talked – look, there's always points in the season when you're like, well, he's he's uh, he's definitely the favorite for the MVP right now, but there's a long way to go. Well, we're at the halfway point. And not being a Yankee fan and being completely the analytical guy you know I am, there, there's no reason that – it's, it's, it should be Aaron Judge and nobody else. That that's in my that's how I see it. But here comes the Shohei talk, Tommy. And if you look at the betting odds, Aaron Judge 
plus 115. Shohei's only plus 160. Are they making this a debate when there definitely should not be one right now? Absolutely, Tim. And, and, you know, I hear people sitting back and trying to be creative. You know, I, I listen to a lot of sports talk shows and a lot of them, well, you know, I'm giving it to a ton. You're, you're an idiot if you are giving it to Otani or Jordan Alvarez in any way, shape, or form this year. Mm -hmm. I am not telling you that they don't have outstanding, outstanding numbers. And they do, especially Alvarez, who, by the way, I think deserves it more than Otani. But, okay, I get both of the conversation. Um, the thing that people are missing about Aaron Judge and, and the pure numbers of Aaron Judge, and this is the thing that drives me insane with the Otani conversation, is Shohei Otani does not play the field, Tim. Now, he starts 33 games, but he's a glorified DH. Jordan Alvarez plays more than half his games as the designated hitter. Aaron Judge moved positions to play center field in New York. Now, you could make fun of the down the lines all you want, 314 down the line. That is a spacious, massive center field. Aaron Judge isn't just playing it. We just watched with the Red Sox game. He's going to be right in the mix for a gold glove. So at 30 years old, he moved positions to the toughest position on the field, center field. He's playing an elite gold glove. Shohei Otani, outside of 30 starts this year, is sitting down half of his time, right? He doesn't play the outfield, Tim. Jordan Alvarez is going to sit down half of the time. The people that go out there and they just throw all of the love and all of the, the applause and all of the jubilation on Shohei Itani for things that he is doing that nobody's ever done before. They are forgetting the fact that he's only a hitter, Tim. It's not like the days that he's pitching, he's out in left field. So you have a full-time player with, by the way, better numbers, uh, basically across the board, than Otani. Aaron Judge, hitting-wise, better numbers. So are Shohei Otani's 30 starts, 30 starts for a team likely to not make the playoffs, more important than basically gold glove center field play from Aaron Judge? It, what they've done with the Otani conversation is they have decreased the importance for defensive play. If you're a good defensive player, it means nothing because Shohei Otani exists. If you're a good defensive player, it means nothing because Jordan Alvarez exists. Look, if Alvarez had these numbers and Judge had lesser numbers, sure. But across the board, Aaron Judge has more hits than Otani and Alvarez. More runs than Otani and Alvarez. More home runs than Otani and Alvarez. More RBIs than Otani and Alvarez. Stolen bases. Hey, Shoy Otani is supposed to be fast. Aaron Judge isn't. He's only three stolen bases back. Batting average. Alvarez has him. Uh, Judge has him as far as average over Otani. You look at things like, you know, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, things of this nature. Guys, Alvarez has some of the numbers. He's got to include defense. Otani is putting together a nice campaign because he also pitches. But you can't just overlook the fact that Aaron Judge is playing center field. This is the Aaron Judge Award until further notice. They're making the Otani case, and again, it should cover a the whole season, not just current form. Because look, in the last five starts, Shohei Otani's five and zero. He 
He's batting right. 260. He's batting 260, and that's an improvement of where it was for most of and the year. Tim, and Tim, for as great as Otani is stealing bases, oh, he's fast. He steals bases. He's attempted 16 steals this time this, this, this year. He's got caught six times. Yeah. That's a terrible, terrible percentage. They need to tell him to stop running. I'm just saying that they're trying to make a case in that, and instead of covering the whole season, right, Tom, they're saying, well, Otani's, look, pitching-wise, in the last month, he's probably the best. 5-0, and ERA is like .27. It's un- unbelievable what he's done. He hasn't given an earned run in his last five starts. He's pitching great, but that's not – that's the argument in this that why is that all of a sudden supersede the slump that he had at the beginning of the year. And if we're talking about valuable player. No one is more valuable to the Yankees than Aaron Judge. Would they still be in first place without him, Tom? Probably, right? But they wouldn't be where they're at. 60 wins at the break. And, and sure, basically a playoff spot. We can say it now. Whereas Otani struggled. He's turned it on, but he's still middling. And then Alvarez, you know, look, he's had a hell of, He's my number two. He's had a hell of a year. He just hasn't had the year uh, Judge has had. It's basic numbers at this point. Well, if you're a DH, you you will always be behind in my book. You're, you're only playing half the game. Mm-hmm. Otani is only playing half the game. Oh, wait a minute. He pitches 30 games a year. Okay, cool. 130, he sits down for half the game. <laughs> right. Sorry. Right. Yeah, defense has to matter here. You know, this is why for how many years, Tim, when we talked about MVP, and I consistently overranked Buster Posey, and I said, guys, he's handling a pitching staff. He's a catcher. How many years did I consistently overrank so this is not a Yankee thing. How many years did I consistently overrank uh, Nolan Arenado? Because he's the best defensive third baseman that I can remember. So I think defense matters. And, you know, the fact that we're in a, a day and age where they just overlook defense to this ridiculous notion, it's crazy to me. I think Jose Ramirez should get more accolades for what he's been doing with 63 RBIs. Uh, you know, in Cleveland pushing for first place. He's batting nearly 300. Why? Because he plays really good defense. I think Jose Ramirez is more important than Jordan Alvarez to his team. I, I mean, you know, to me, defense still matters. And the thing that, you know, you look at with Shohei Otani, and this is just ripping on Shohei Otani, but, you know, you can go back to 1988 and Andre Dawson, and a lot of people talking about, you know, he won the MVP on a last-place team where it was a close bet. I, I mean, it was a close, uh, uh, you know, vote. Tim, when was the last time Shohei Otani hit a clutch home run? And by I mean clutch, I mean a home run that mattered because his team mm-hmm. is nowhere near the playoffs. How how worried would you are you about it? And I'm only going to say that because if you remember just a year ago when we talked about the debate, Vlad Jr. damn near hit, hit for the triple crown for a team contending for the playoffs, whereas the Angels were out better statistically, and he didn't win. We know Otani won that. Tim, I'll go back further. Shohei Otani didn't deserve the Rookie of the Year. Miguel Andujar did. Mm-hmm. And I can go down the list of anti-Yankee bias. Derek Jeter lost the MVP to Justin Morneau, where anybody looking at that year is going to laugh and say, what, what, what are we talking about? Derek Jeter was a much better player. You don't have to go any further than Aaron Judge himself that absolutely was the better play than Jose Altuve. Somehow, somehow, Jose Altuve won the MVP. Go back to Cy Young's. I, I mean, Garrett Cole last year was better than Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray walked away with the trophy. 
Uh, go back and just look at the, the history. It's an anti-Yankee bias because people are bet- are voting on this. And you could bet your bottom dollar that the show Aotani Love Fest will just continue to creep up there. This guy won an MVP with like a 260 average last year. They don't care about batting average anymore. I get it. But Shohei Otani, just because he pitches, you know, 25 games, doesn't make up for the fact that he's, he only pitches 25 games, Tim. He plays, you know, tremendously when he's in there. But he's only a half a player. And that's the same thing with Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez is a DH. I'm sorry. When you are in there, 150-plus games, playing a gold glove premium position, center field. It's not like you're just playing and throwing him a left field or right field. He's a center fielder now. I'm really worried because I don't respect the people that are going to be voting on this because they showed me over the last two decades exactly where their hearts are. If Otani gets to 40 and 100 and wins six, between 16 and 18 games, he'll win the MVP. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Aaron Judge, I, and I said this last year, if you remember, I said Vladimir Guerrero might win the Triple Crown and lose the MVP. Aaron Judge might set baseball's all-time home run record because we know it's, it's still Roger Maris, right? So we're all in agreement <laughs> yes. there. Right. Aaron Judge might set the all-time baseball home run record and lose the MVP. On a first-place team, that might win more games than anybody else playing a gold-glove defense. To Shohei Otani, whose team might be a fourth-place team, might finish under 500, but cool, the halftime player pitched 25 games. And for those listening that think we're joking, if you look at the odds, they tell you a lot. Plus 115, Aaron Judge. Plus 160. There is not a big discrepancy there, Tom. Yeah, Brett Phillips better get some MVP votes. I mean, he pitches, right? Yes. I mean, he pitches. But, but, he also allowed Anthony Rendon to hit a home run left-handed off of him, so I don't think he might have lost something. <laughs> All right. And, it, and, it, and in the uh, National League, Goldie minus 110, Manny Machado right around 6-1, to one. Alonzo 6-1. to one. I saw Mookie Betts around 10-1. to one. Yeah, I think Alonzo could have a push here. Alonzo is a guy that, that to me, uh, can make, this, can make the, the climb quickly because – they love the power numbers. If the Mets continue and, and then they come back and they start winning the way that Scherzer and DeGrom can do for them, um, they, they'll be a first-place team. But I would not count out my guy, Riley, man. I know he's under the radar. I know he's big numbers. Austin Riley right now, Tim, 50 runs scored, 22 home runs, 53 RBIs. He's getting his average up to about 280. He's going to be on an Atlanta team that's pushing the Mets. If Atlanta takes over the Mets and Austin Riley hits 40 home runs, Tim, 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored, that's about 280. It's going to be hard to keep the MVP out of his hand unless Goldschmidt just doesn't slow down. I mean, his numbers are. And to me, Goldschmidt almost has to slow down because you just can't bat 345 the whole year. We've never seen him be able to do that. He's on He's on pace for, he's on pace for Tim Foote. Batting 345, he's going to hit 40 home runs and batting 345. I mean, it's going to be a historic, historic year. Looking where I'm looking at, you can get Riley like 60 to 1, Tom. So that's. Um... I, I think it's worth a chance if you believe in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. 
What about Bryce? He would have, you know, obviously with the injury takes him out, but he's a hundred to one now. But he was he was having a pretty good season, so it kind of sucks for him, you know. Yeah, and same thing with uh, with Trey Turner. It kind of stinks for him as well because Mookie Betts is now stealing kind of the, the MVP race out of it. But if you look at Trey Turner, uh, you know, against a Mookie Betts, look, Mookie Betts is having a great year, right? I mean, he's having a great year. Go, go look at Trey Turner. He just does things, Tim, that are different. You know, Trey Turner does things that um, I don't want to say that the voters don't like, but they don't respect enough. You know, you look at a, a, a Trey Turner who's going to steal 30 bases this year. He's going to bat 300, Tim, you know. He's going to have 20 home runs. He's going to have 100 RBIs, 20 home runs. He's going to steal 30 bases and bat 300. But it's not the sexiest numbers. You know what I mean? To me, Trey Turner perennially every single year should be right up there for the MVP. Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heat Wave Sports. Final timeout. After the break, we'll go around major leagues as we head into the final week of the first half, see where everybody sits and stands. Trade deadline, August 2, I believe, so that's coming up fastly approaching as well. We'll break it all down. On the other side of the break, it's Heat Wave Sports. It's Fox Sports Radio. going to end the night out with, of course, more Major League Baseball. All-Star game next. Following the next, so. Looking forward to that. But this, Tommy, let's go division by division, kind of look and see where we're standing as we enter the Major League Baseball break. We'll start in the National League East, the Mets. Two and a half game lead over Atlanta. So Mets off to just a great start to open the year. Atlanta middling after winning the 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 championship, but here we go, Tom. Braves are, are turning it around again, led by what we thought was going to have to be the key in the pitching. Freed, Wright, Ian Anderson, even Morton, Tommy, he struggled, but it's started to put it together as well. So the Braves sitting just two and a half back of the Mets in the East. Yeah, Tim, look, you can look at the Atlanta Braves and, and the Mets, and everybody is looking at New York and saying, DeGrom's coming back, Scherzer just came back, they're going to take off, right? I mean, you look at that and you go, yeah, but they've overachieved without these guys. Do I think they're going to get better with them back in the, in the lineup? Sure. But you've also got a lot of players on that team, especially the pitching staff, that have stepped up that I don't expect to continue to step up. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, you go, oh, okay, they're not getting anybody back. Wait a minute. Mike Soroka just looks like he's starting to throw Kenley Jansen. Is coming back next week, which is a massive boost to that bullpen. You go out there, and like you said, Charlie Morton is turning things around. I think this is going to come right down to it. I think both of these teams have an opportunity to win 95-plus games. I do believe the Mets hold on only because of the DeGrom-Scherzer situation, but I don't know what kind of DeGrom they're going to get when they get back. I think the Mets barely hang on here, Tim, but I am not counting Atlanta out. We know the Mets would be a buyer at the deadline. Atlanta, I don't really see Tommy going out and trying to make any big significant moves. I like the core that they have. This is the core that they won with to begin with. So why other than maybe fine tune something here and there, I don't I don't see a big, big move from Atlanta. No, me neither. Um the Mets keep getting tied to Wilson Contreras. I actually do think that they need another bat, but 
I'm not sure that they want to go into the postseason with, uh, you know, their three, four, five the way it is. Can Taiwan stay healthy for the rest of the run here to be that three? Is it, are they going to really feel good with Peterson or Williams as a three? Uh, you know, who's who's that guy? Carrasco, who's always injured. I don't know if the Mets don't go out and get an arm. Atlanta, I don't see a lot because I think that they feel like their team is still growing. A guy like Acuna still has more in the tank this year. Central Brewers, three and a half up on the cards. Both you and I have the Brewers in the postseason, Tom. We knew this was going to be the race. Forget the Reds, the Cubs, and the Pirates. We already knew at the beginning of the year what it was going to be. It was going to be the Cards and the Brewers, and that's what we're going to get. Cards, Brewers, Brewers advantage pitching. I think that's that's what it's going to be again in the second half. Brewers advantage pitching, especially with Woodruff has over four ERA. That's not going to last. Peralta will be back in September. That's going to be a big boost to this team. Um, I, I, Willie Adam is not going to hit 210 if you look at his uh, stack cast metrics. He's a guy that should be batting about 260, so things are going to turn around there. The thing that I would worry about with Milwaukee is St. Louis will be aggressive. St. Louis will make that move. St. Louis has the bullpen um, to go out there and to say, okay, we don't have to worry about that where everybody else has to worry about it. We're going to go out there and make a big rotational move or a big uh, bat move, and they have the minor league system to be able to do it. Milwaukee, as good as their bullpen is, they could probably use a long arm. They could probably use a couple of things, but we've never seen Milwaukee go out there and make that move. I still think Milwaukee's the best team. I still think Milwaukee has growth here, but I'm worried about the St. Louis over the top making that huge move. Louis Castillo is the big pitcher at the top of the list. We know that. And and I haven't seen either St. Louis nor Milwaukee attached to that for various reasons, but you said exactly what I was thinking was in that St. Louis is farm ready. Do you trade in division? Is that a no-no at this point, or does it matter if you're going to get the prospects back anyways? No, I mean, I don't think that the Pirates matter, uh, you know, care so much, but I think that they're going to have to overpay. You know, I think that they are going to have to make a big, big, big overpay. It's a division kind of situation. You know, we might ask the Yankees or the Dodgers for this and this, but we're going to ask you for that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Cincinnati. You know, same thing with Ian Happ for the Cubs. These three teams are sellers. Why would you give it to Milwaukee or St. Louis? And out west, the Dodgers, seven-game lead over the Padres, Giants, 12-and-a-half. This is exactly what we assume was going to happen. They would just, over the course of the year, stretch this lead out. They will. Um, They're too talented not to. Remember, they're doing this without Walker Bueller. They're doing this with Mookie Betts have been banged up. They're doing this with Max Muncy, who's batting 179. You know, I you can't look at this. Freddie Freeman has less than 10 home runs. You can't look at this team and be anything more than impressed that they have 55 wins, and most players on their team are having a down year. Hmm. In the American League, Tom, your Yankees 61 and 24, 15 games up over second place Boston, and as I said today, Tom, my biggest future bet of the year. I'm 30 wins away from cashing over 91 wins for the Yanks. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I am slightly concerned about the Yankees in the the postseason here, just because of the innings. And I've talked about this in the past. Nestor Cortez doesn't go deep. He's never had an opportunity to even pitch 100 innings. Jordan Montgomery has a history of arm issues. Uh, Doesn't go deep into games. Doesn't pitch a lot of innings. 
You look at a guy like Jamison Dion, doesn't have the history to go deep and put a lot of innings outside of Garrett Cole. Luis Severino coming off of two missed years, right? Why? Because of arm issues. He's going to have an innings limit. I think the Yankees need to go get an arm just to extend this to maybe a six-man rotation. I think the Yankees are in a position to very potentially also go get a bat. I, I don't know. I know Aaron Hooks uh, looks all of a sudden good. I don't know if you could win a championship with Kiner Falefa, Donaldson, Gallo, and Hicks, as well as your catcher, basically being automatic outs. You can live with one or two of them, and it's good that Donaldson's coming around. It's nice that Hicks is coming around, but you can't count on that. So while the Yankees look untouchable right now, I see a lot of problems when we're talking about the playoffs. And I think a lot of those problems were exposed against the Astros. Are you saying Luis Castillo's wearing pinstripes August 2nd? Ah, they've been linked to him for so long. I don't think they have to do something like that. Um, how about David Robertson, Ian Happ, and Kyle Hendricks? You know, they don't need they don't need a guy to come in for the playoffs and be that number two. They need a guy to go out there and be able to give them innings. So, you know, I I, I know he won't come here, but a Zach Granke would make sense. You know, I know he won't come to New York, but he makes sense. Um while everybody's looking at Frankie Montas, a Cole Irvin makes sense. You need an innings eater. You need a guy that's going to give you six innings every fifth day or six day, maybe what it is. I don't think Castillo's going to the Yankees. I don't. I don't think they'll give up the package for him. I don't think Brian Reynolds is going. Ian Happ makes a lot of sense. Our buddy, good friend of the show, always part of the Heat Wave Sports family, Jose V. Tom says, the Yankees will win 120 games. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, Jose, I hope not. <laughs> because that means they're pushing their pitchers too far. Uh, they, they, I, I really do. I don't think they need to win 120 games. And the teams that go out there and win that many games, they don't have a great record in the postseason. I don't care if they win 90 games as long as they win the World Series. He might be right. Look, they're on pace for it. Uh, I just, I'm hoping that the Yankees are smart. They rest the bullpen at the end. They rest their starting pitchers at the end. They go to that six-man rotation, and they don't burn themselves out winning 120-plus games and then don't have enough for Houston in the second round of the playoffs. Two hottest teams in baseball right now, the Seattle Mariners, Tom, and the Baltimore Orioles, winners of seven consecutive games. You chuckled at me about two weeks ago when I said Baltimore's uh, going for a wild card. You yes. laughed at me, Tim. I did. I did. I, I like this team. I like what they're doing. I like the fact that they're playing free and loose and having fun, and I like the players on their team. I My thing with Baltimore is when do you go for it, Tim? And the Baltimore Orioles don't have to make a trade to go for it because they have two young youngsters who are it might be the number one prospect in all of baseball and probably a top 50 prospect in Westburg. That should be their starting shortstop at second baseman right now. Jorge Mateo is dealing 20 bases a year uh, so far. He's also batting 190, right? You go get and go make this replacement right now, and I think Baltimore can be a wild card team. But do you mess with their time clock, Tim, in order to chase a wild card? The, the fanboy in me would love it. Three games out of the wild card. The smart man says... Come August trade deadline, Mancini's got to go. 
uh, Lyles has got to go. Whoever's worth anything, they got to go continue to build. They're not winning the World Series. As fun as it would be to say, hey, they want a hell of a run. They're they're early in their progress. Let's put them in the playoffs. Anything can happen. No, they're not winning the World Series. And we might as well get what we can for the guys that aren't coming back next year anyways. And just chalk it up to – it was great sto- uh, points during the season. It was great to talk about. But Mancini's your most valuable piece to, to work with. You send them somewhere and get what you can for them. Right, Tom? This is, that's what you got to do. I, I don't mind getting rid of Mancini. I'm, to me, I, I'm ready to play the, the kids. I, I like to throw them in a mix and see how they're going to respond in a spot like this. I'm bringing up Gunner. I'm bringing up Jordan Westberg. I'm bringing them up uh, as, as soon as the clock strikes, whatever their – what is the service time? Is it like August 15th or whatever? As soon as that date comes – I'm bringing both of them up. And we already know. Here's the here's the great question. If he wouldn't have been shut down, would Grayson Rodriguez be up right now, or would they just wait? I think they would wait, but we would get to I see him definitely. Look at D.L. Hall. Hall's yeah. pitching really well. And and he's still being held down, you know? Central, the Twins, three and a half over Cleveland, White Sox five. So what, even though the White Sox have been terrible this year, Tom, absolutely terrible, they're right there in the wild card race still. White Sox is still going to win this division. Cleveland doesn't have the guns to keep this up, and we know Minnesota wants to make that move, but they're not going to make it, that move. Chicago, people forget that Lance Lynn was an MVP, I mean a Cy Young candidate last year. He's only pitched, what, three, four games because he missed most of the year. That's a huge addition coming back. A huge addition. Uh, guys like Eloy Jimenez, they lost. They had to kind of make it work without him. Liam Hendricks is the best closer in the American League. This side of Clay Holmes, right? And he missed a big chunk of the year. Chicago's getting healthy. Chicago just didn't bury themselves. Like you just said, they're only five games back. I think Chicago wins this division. And out west, Houston, 12 games up over the Mariners. We really don't need to talk about anything else because the other teams are all jumbled up in a wild card race. So Houston, 55 wins. That division's done, as as we thought. I, I think you picked the Angels to win the division, but Houston was always my pick. Just, you know, it is what it is. So we'll see what happens come the postseason. Tim, when do you break up the Angels? I don't think they when do. you just say this isn't working? Yeah, I don't think they do. I really don't. And I think you they always talk about what what's the money going to be to sign Otani. What, what I'm afraid of, if you're an Angels fan and an Otani fan, is that you're completely pissing him off to the point where he doesn't want to come back to him. You know, he's carrying this team by himself right now. And I, I love Mike Trout, but Mike Trout is in this horrific uh, slump that I have not seen. I don't know if I can remember the last time I've seen him this bad. And he's, he struck out again twice today. You know, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on Trouty and a lot of frustration. But he's kind of, he's kind of locked in, whereas Otani, they're going to have to make a choice is what it's going to come down to. And I don't think Otani... Maybe at this rate, maybe he just doesn't want to be there. I don't know. It's a good question, Tom, but I don't think it happens anytime soon. No, I, I, I am. I, I think I agree with you, but I don't want to because I, I think it's crazy to agree with you. Because, <laughs> you, you know, how many times can you just look at this team and watch them fail and the owner go, hey, we're going to run it back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh it failed miserably. Awesome. We're going we're gonna to try it again. Same thing. We're not going to change a thing. We're just going to do the same exact. And you're going, wait a minute. <laughs> right? Hold on a second. 
it didn't work and you're just deciding to go back and do the same exact thing. And he's going, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why change anything? I mean, I, it's got to come to a point where they go, okay, scrap this idea and let's start over. I mean, me and you are screaming every single week, go trade Joe Adele for some kind of piece. They're just wasting and they're doing the same thing to Brandon Marsh now. Brandon Marsh mm-hmm. has no more uh, trade value. So they've destroyed Marsh and Adele. Forget about how they perform at the big league level. I mean, just trade value-wise. They've destroyed both of them. Either commit to playing Adele, meaning you have to move pieces around, or move them and continue on with with your theory of how you're going to be better with getting veterans. Like Syndergaard, he's on a one-year deal, Tom. He should be gone August. He's, he doesn't need to be there. They're not winning, so... He should just go, right? Get what you can for him. I don't know what it would be, but get what you can. And then you're really going to have to, if you're going to commit, do they have the money to sign Otani and keep Trout and keep Rendon's huge contract, which has been an absolute bust for the last two years? I, I don't know. I just, knowing him, I just don't think that there's anything coming down the pipeline. He's going to, I think he's going to pay for Otani and just figure it out from there. Uh, and this is why you go out there and you sign a Luis Castillo who's got two years left on his on his cheap rookie deal, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you go sign Castillo, you get two more years, you don't have to worry about paying him. You're also showing Otani, look, we knew we had pitching problems. We went out there, we paid for the number one guy. We went out and made the aggressive move. Maybe it won't work this year, but next year all of a sudden you have a, a rotation where maybe you can lure Syndergaard back and you get Castillo, Syndergaard, and Otani. Now I'm feeling a little bit better. At least I feel a little optimistic. Um, you, I'm with you on that, my friend. I'm with you on that. Tom, let everybody know about all the things you're doing being Tom Barton. Guys, go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. Absolutely crushing less than $100. You get every single play for a full month at TomBartonSports.com. Also, go check me out tomorrow morning, SGM Network. It's SportsGarden.com. You go check that out. We're on 100 stations across America syndicated there and all of the podcast plus go check out my youtube channel i know i've taken a little time off i'm gonna have a couple of ones up this week it's tom barton sports over there as well tom more baseball talk tomorrow night sunday night edition 10 o'clock all right have a good one guys tommy barton tom barton sports.com on a run as always in major league baseball go there check them out mention heatwave sports they'll give you an extra week for free for mateo for Tommy, Tim Ungles, we have a great sports night. Have a great sports Sunday. We'll talk to you at 10 o'clock tomorrow night right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.